The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning. I'm excited to get into the Word. We encourage note-taking, so if you have some uh, paper and a pen there, I want to encourage you to take some notes. If you don't, you can just, you know, you might have to reach way across an aisle this morning because there's a few empty chairs, but see if you can borrow something from your neighbor. It's really important to me that we seek out these words in our own time together because we come together and we hear a message, and I think that's a good thing. But it's meant to inspire something. I'd like for you to get into the Word, for me to stay in the Word, and for us to hear what God's speaking to us individually as we get into the Word together. And that requires you doing so on your own time. But I want to give you a few things that we're going to find today in the message. Now, I I don't want to show my clay feet here, but oftentimes on a Sunday morning, there's a lot of things going through my head. I love the worship team and Pastor Jared and everything that he brings, but many times I'll have uh, thoughts running through my mind and and awareness in my heart and begin to scribble on on the notes that I have prepared, and then by the time worship is over, it's just a big, giant mess. But I can look at it, and I I can interpret the mess. And this morning, let me tell you something, it's messy. But I'm excited to dig into it because I think those shifts and those changes, they mean something to me. You know, to come in and have something prepared is good. That's a healthy thing. But to have that shift and change as the service progresses is really exciting to me. I think that there's a genuine interest from God to this service, an interest in touching your life and my life, our lives together and individually. So I want to give you a few things that we're going to find in the Word this morning. One, you have an appointment. Now, don't check your calendar. That's not what I'm talking about. You have an appointment. So if you're taking notes, you can just write that down. We're going to find that out. I have an appointment. Another thing that we're going to find is how to receive heavenly help. How to receive heavenly help. Help from heaven, okay? How many of you could use a little heavenly help on occasion? I mean, I'm raising kids, so, you know, I need a lot of heavenly help all the time. So, how to receive heavenly help. Now, I know when we get there, it's going to be clear to us, but I want you to get excited about that. I know we could all use heavenly help, and we're going to see how to get that. Another thing that we're going to find is how to see and operate in God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was fascinated with the kingdom of God. I heard about it. You know, people would say, you know, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And, and I remember as a child, you know, the, the maps in the back of the Bible there. And I thought, well, surely that's why they put those in there, right? So that you could find the kingdom of God. They put the maps in the back so you could find your way. Well, it's not in the maps, but it is in the words. And as we read the scripture together, we are going to see a very clear path to living and operating in the kingdom of God. So I want to get into the word. Let's talk about our appointment. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open them up to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up, John 15. John chapter 15, I want to look at verse 16. 
So John chapter 15, verse 16, we're going to find your appointment. Remember, it's that first thing we said we're going to find. Now, Jesus is speaking these words. I mean, before you read anything, and I know if you're like me, you're already reading because you just can't help but scoot ahead. But don't worry about reading just yet. Just consider something before we read this together. These are the words of Jesus Christ. These are the words of the one whom God chose and sent. He's the anointed one who was and is and is to come. I mean, you could just let your mind be blown by the source of these words. And these words are spoken, and they're spoken to us. Not just to those who are present, but recorded for the purpose of us hearing the voice of Jesus Christ, seeing His words spoken concerning our lives. And Jesus says this about me and about you. He says, you did not choose me but I chose you. I want to just stop there for a second. That's a powerful statement. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Now, the idea that I didn't choose him and that he chose me is not something that I want to to set as the foundation for the message. We're about to get to that. But I think it's such an important statement. You have to stop. You're obligated to stop and acknowledge how powerful a statement we just read is. I want you to think about choice for a moment. I mean, just let's make this really easy because, you know, it's, it's kind of a quiet day in here, right? You sound quiet. Do you feel quiet? Yeah, so we're going to keep this easy. We're not going to complicate it. If I were to to produce a steaming bowl of Brussels sprouts and then I were to produce an ice-cold banana split and say, which one would you like, right? You would, I know what you'd choose, right? I hear that. So yeah, I know there's a few odd ducks in here. So it's not, as much, it's not as much which one you would select, right, but that you would select one. That's the point. Forget about what's better. And by the way, banana split's better, so everybody else is just wrong, okay? It's not which one you would choose. It's that you would choose. And then, I mean, what would you base your choice on? Why would you choose the Brussels sprouts if that's what you would choose? Why would you choose the banana split if that's what you would choose? What would you base your choice on? Well, I mean, without making some kind of a a religious answer, I'm going to keep it simple. I would choose based on my personal preference. That's really the foundation for our choices. When we're choosing between Brussels sprouts and banana splits. So when Jesus is saying that I didn't choose him, but he chose me, he's revealing something to me. He's revealing that there is a personal preference that he has for me in my life. I mean, in my household, it's a statement that's made often, what you choose is what you love. Now, I have to confess that when that statement is made in my house a lot, it's convicting because it's being spoken because things that are being chosen should not be the priority, you know? And the things that I need to be choosing as a husband and a father are things like being home for dinner and, and sitting at the table and, and stop staring at your phone. And, and, you know, you don't have to watch nine hours of football on Sunday. You can, you know, just things like that. Because what you choose is what you love. And Jesus is saying something so amazing here. In these opening words, you didn't choose me, 
but I chose you. Just that awareness, that, that concept of that being imparted into my life liberates me from all of the insecurity and the garbage that would make me feel inferior to receive from him. And this is how he opens his statement. By cleaning off all of the junk that would be a hindrance to what he's moving toward revealing. And what he's moving toward revealing is the following. When he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, he goes on to say, and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He'll give to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. So for me, for you, for all of us in this room, there needs to be an understanding. Upon being chosen, upon being preferred by Jesus, Jesus has now bestowed upon you. Who? Yeah, you. An appointment. He's appointed you. He's appointed me. We have an appointment. And that appointment, based on the Scripture, is to be productive, to be fruitful, to do great things for the kingdom of God. Not hope that we hitch our wagon to the right horse. Well, I go to that church and they do a lot of stuff. The only way any church does a lot of stuff is if the people that make up that church are doing it. That's us. Me and you are being chosen is to remove all of the inferiority and all of the insecurity to come to an understanding that we are God's preference. To move from that awareness into the awareness that He's appointed us to do great things, to be fruitful and productive is a really powerful concept. And if we miss out on that, we run the risk of coming and attending church rather than being the active and living body of Christ on the earth, the church. Our appointment is to be fruitful. Now, there's only one way to be fruitful. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. There's only one way to be fruitful. There's really only one way to be fruitful. And you'll find it in John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking again, beginning in verse 4. And he says this, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branch. He that abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And apart from me, you, who? Yeah, you can do nothing. Now I want you to try to think about nothing real quick. Now, for some of you coming into church and thinking about nothing is easier than for others, right? I mean, I've seen a few. I remember one Sunday I was preaching and I heard uh, what I thought was an earthquake and it turned out to be the woman on the front row who was snoring. And I thought, I thought oh my God, awake, O oh sleeper, arise, shine. But nothing is an absolute word, Right? It's absolute. Nothing is nothing. There can't be something in nothing. And Jesus is speaking in very absolute terms that if we're not connected, you can't do anything. What that means is if we're not connected to Jesus, we can't be fruitful. And being fruitful is our appointment. If we can't be connected to Jesus, then we miss our appointment. Now, I want you to consider this. Because we use the word appointment, 
so freely in our everyday lives. You could have a doctor's appointment. You could have an appointment with the dentist. You could have an appointment with a teacher. You could have an appointment. I want you to realize appointment, your appointment is your purpose. Your appointment is your purpose. That's the function of the word. It would not change the meeting. If you were to read it as such, if you were to read, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I gave you a purpose. That purpose is to be fruitful so that your fruit would remain. If we miss our appointment, we miss our purpose. And there's no way that we can meet our purpose or make our appointment unless we're connected to Jesus. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here. And it's this Scripture that I want to launch the point of today's message from. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Now I want to look specifically at verse 29. Now remember we're discussing our appointment. That Jesus chose you. You're his preference. And upon choosing you, he gave you an appointment or a purpose. Here in Luke chapter 22... You see Jesus talking about that appointment. He doesn't say much, but what he says is complete. He says, I appointed, or I appoint, unto you a kingdom. I, so who is I in that sentence? It's Jesus. I, that's Jesus, say appoint to you, so who is you? That's, yeah. So Jesus is appointing to us a kingdom. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed one unto me. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father appoints a kingdom to me. So we see the appointment there. The appointment is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And he says this in a very intentional way. I mean, if my goal in that conversation was to communicate to you that I was appointing to you a kingdom, I could simply say that. I appoint unto you a kingdom. Punctuation. Space. New sentence. But Jesus, who is absolutely intentional in these words says, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed me. So I can get really excited about the I have appointed unto you a kingdom. That really gets me excited. As my Father has appointed unto me gets me very interested. He's revealing this wonderful thing that He's doing for us or that He's done for us. And then He tells us what it's like. I mean, the word as there is in... in the English language considered a, a simile. You, you ever remember that word, huh? The simile. Back from English class, maybe elementary school. you got to go way back, right? But the words like and as are revealing similarity. And Jesus is speaking something. He's, he's showing two things and revealing that they're similar. He's saying, I'm appointing unto you a kingdom in a similar way or in a like way or as. My father appointed the kingdom to me. 
So in the same way that God has granted His kingdom to His Son Jesus, Jesus is appointing unto us the kingdom. So as far as I'm concerned and as far as we're concerned, that means what we learn as we read concerning the relationship between Jesus and God the Father applies 100% directly to us. His life is an example for us to live our lives by and according to. The scripture refers to Jesus as the apostle, meaning he's sent to be an example or the example for each one of us. So I want to talk about how to access the kingdom. Because if my appointment is the kingdom of God, and that appointment is the same as the appointment that God had for Jesus, I want to look at how Jesus accesses the kingdom of God, and I want to apply his methods to my life. And I'm convinced that applying his methods to my life will get the same results. The same results that Jesus gets. Now, your appointment is going to find a number of challenges throughout your life. I mean, can you come to the place where you realize that Jesus has chosen you? Yes. Can you come to the place where you see that he's appointed you to do great things for the kingdom of God? Yes. And throughout this promise being fulfilled in your life, do you foresee any challenges or issues along the way? It gives me cause to pause for a moment. Because though it seems unpleasant, the answer is an absolute yes. In fact, Jesus himself said that. He spoke of troubles that are to come. And in all of his encouragement for today, he tells us not to worry about tomorrow. And the reason why he tells us not to worry about tomorrow is funny to me. I mean, if I wanted to encourage you to not worry about tomorrow, my encouragement would sound something like this. Hey, Sherry, don't worry about tomorrow. It's going to be just fine. What's funny is Jesus' encouragement concerning tomorrow is like this. Hey, don't worry about tomorrow. It's going to have its own trouble. <laughs> and there's a part of me that thinks, <gasps> and another part of me that thinks, well, now I feel a little better. Because I thought I was failing as a believer because of the issues that I'm facing or the challenges that I'm dealing with. When the reality is those things are real. Those things have purpose and intention. Though many times I can't see it in the moment. But I want to offer to you a couple of areas of Scripture for you to read in your own time. Just to consider. God's got this appointment for your life. He's chosen you. And then he's appointed you now to go and do amazing things. Your life is very, very similar to the lives of men and women who've gone before us. And it's been recorded for our understanding to be increased, for our comfort to see that this is nothing new. Dealing with challenges and issues that are attempting to prevent us from living out our appointment and being fruitful is the norm. In fact, it's quite the standard. I'll give you an area of scripture, Numbers chapter 13. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Numbers chapter 13. And in your own time, you can visit it and read it. It makes for excellent reading. The content has the power to change our lives. 
There's an entire group of people, an entire nation of people who have an appointment. Just like this is an entire congregation that has an appointment. Coming together unified to do great things for God. Chosen and appointed. And this nation that you'll see in Numbers chapter 13 is a chosen and preferred group with an appointment to move into the promises of God. And as they're moving into the promises of God in the same way that we are moving into the promises of God, they meet opposition, challenges, and issues. Those challenges and issues are a confrontation, a direct confrontation to their appointment. So you have all of these chosen people, all of these appointed people, just like this group is chosen and appointed, all being confronted with the same opposition, the same challenge, the same issue. But yet, though they all see the same challenge and all seem to see the same issue, they don't all have the same perspective. Now that tells me something as a believer, that it's important for us to monitor our perspective. Used to in my life, I was content with the fact that I was chosen and appointed. That was enough for me. And no matter what, I just, I'm chosen, I'm appointed. But at this point in my life, as I grow and I mature, I realize I'm chosen and I'm appointed. I need to really guard my perspective concerning these things. And I'll explain what that means. This nation of people, this group of people that are chosen and preferred and appointed meet opposition. They're called to move into the promises. And this is a a geographical move. It's moving from that place to that place, from A to B. Going from A, moving to B should be relatively easy. But a challenge arises. B is occupied, and B is occupied by people that don't want to give it up. Not only are they people that don't want to give it up, but they're fierce, and they're strong, and they're mighty. Seemingly, they are superior. And a chosen and appointed people are all faced with this single challenge. And one challenge produces two perspectives. Out of the chosen and appointed people, some see this challenge as impossible, foolish. It would be a suicide mission. And then there's a minority, a smaller group of people that see that challenge and see it as quite possible. In fact, there's not a shadow of a doubt in their mind that they can't have absolute victory. Now, I just stop and pause and think about that for a second. Why is it that one people group that all share a calling and an appointment, how is it that they can see a challenge and each have different perspectives on the outcome of meeting that challenge head on? I mean, the only thing that I can think is that they have different perspectives. They're seeing it from different angles. And I want to make sure that as we grow, that we don't simply become content with being... uh, 
called or chosen and then appointed, but that we begin to function and operate in such a way that we steward our perspective well. I want to see things the way I ought to see them so that I can function and operate in the kingdom of God. I'll give you another example from the Scripture. If you're taking notes, you can write down 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, some are familiar with the story, and that's great. It's a story that we would just refer to as David and Goliath. But 1 Samuel chapter 17 has such a powerful uh, example of what we just discussed coming from the previous books. We see an entire nation, an entire army that is chosen and appointed. And they're faced with a single challenge. That challenge in this case would be Goliath. And there's multiple perspectives. One man is standing and he's defying the armies of God. And the entire army stands. And their perspective is one of defeat. It's impossible. And then another perspective rolls into the camp. A different mentality approaches. The mentality that belongs to a young shepherd boy that we know as King David, even though he's not king yet. He comes into the camp and has a completely different perspective on the situation. Trained men, men who are trained for battle and war, are standing, but seeing the absolute impossible before their eyes. And then a young boy, not trained, steps in and has a completely different outlook on the situation. I mean, the army's outlook on the situation is one of if we go out there, we're going to get killed. We're all going to end up slaves. But the perspective of David, the shepherd boy, he comes in, he says, how long are you going to let that gas bag mouth off? And I have to ask myself, what's the difference between these mentalities? I mean, these men were trained for war. You're not dealing with a group of cowards. King David watched sheep. He wasn't trained for war. Why is it that they could have such different perspectives on the same problem? And how can I guard myself from seeing things as impossible and being uh, paralyzed and advancing in the appointment that God's called me to, to bear fruit? I believe Jesus had a moment like this. Being chosen, being appointed, and then having there be a moment of confrontation that was going to turn to the right or to the left depending on which perspective prevailed. Faced with a choice or a decision, what's my outlook going to be on this? And remember, God gives us a kingdom. Jesus gives us a kingdom the same way he gives Jesus a kingdom. We have this appointment the same way Jesus has an appointment. I want to look at how Jesus deals with confrontation and challenge. And I want to apply it to my life to see to it that I can have the victory that he has. I want to give you three accounts of the scripture of one event. So I want to make sure that you heard that. I mean... If you can, just acknowledge that you heard that. Three accounts 
of one event. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Luke, in the Gospel of Mark, these things are recorded. And these three events are all of one event. These three accounts, excuse me, are all of one event. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. The verse that we're going to focus on is verse 39. So if you're taking notes, you can just simply write that down. Matthew 26, 39. But I want to inform you as to what's happening. To paraphrase a little bit. The festival of Passover has come. It's time for Jesus to fulfill his appointment to go to the cross. To accomplish redemption. Everything that we celebrate as believers is just moments away from being carried out. And in this moment, Jesus is moving toward his appointment, just like you and me are moving in our appointment to be fruitful. And he's met with the challenge, the confrontation that stands as a roadblock between him and fulfilling what God has called him to do. The knowledge of the pain and the suffering and the death that awaits him. And Jesus takes his disciples and goes to a place to pray. Now we call the place Gethsemane. It's, it's a place that Jesus chose specifically. And he goes to this place and he, he goes to pray. Now remember we have three accounts of one event. And you'll see in the Gospel of Matthew it clearly states that Jesus prayed three times. And I want to look at the three times that he prays based on the three accounts that it's recorded. Here in verse 39, Matthew 26, 39, Jesus prays and it sounds like this. The verse reads, He went a little beyond those who were with him and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. I mean, did you hear what he prayed? My Father, if it is possible for you, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. I mean, when I read that first prayer, when I read that first account, my brain is assaulted. As if you locked up the brakes on a car doing highway speeds. It just comes to a screeching halt. And it's met with a, wait a second. What do you mean if it's possible for you? I mean, this is the same Jesus who in Matthew 19 and in Luke 18 is telling us all things are possible with God. So what is this mentality as he's met with the challenge where he's responding to that challenge with the mentality that says, God, if this is possible for you. So please keep an open mind here and understand that this is an example for us. 
Jesus is in prayer. He's in a moment of, of great torment facing the biggest challenge he's ever faced in his life. It is, it is pushing back against his appointment and his purpose. And as he's going to God in prayer, a mentality prevails and his prayers were released as follows. God, if it's possible for you. And then the word says that he goes from prayer back to his disciples with anguish and torment. And then there's another account recorded now. This would be the second account. You'll find it in Mark. You can write it down in your notes. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Where after going back to his disciples, he goes back to pray again because of the anguish and the torment. And a prayer is offered up as follows. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Remove this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Do you see a difference between the second prayer and the first prayer? See, the first one is, if it's possible for you. Then he goes back and is still tormented and returns to prayer. Hey, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. But still no heavenly impartation, no, no assistance from heaven. Goes back to his disciples. Again, remember, it's an example for us. And then the third prayer. This one's found in Luke. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 42. I told you before we're going to find how to receive strength from heaven. You'll see it here in the Gospel of Luke. Listen to this third prayer. Father, if it's your will, remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. Not as I will, but what you will. If you've turned there, do you see the following passage? The next line. When Jesus prays, Father, if it's your will. No longer, Father, if it's possible for you. No longer a demand. All things are possible for you. Now do this on my behalf. But then, a third prayer, this third prayer that opens up with and is founded upon, Father, whatever your will is, whatever your will is, if it's your will, let it be done. Look at the response from heaven in the following passage. Jesus prayed, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. Isn't that really amazing? Now as a young believer, or, or even before I was a believer, my mentality was, God, if it's possible for you, if it's possible, let it be done. I saw things in, in whether it was impossible or possible, that was my mentality. Which meant that any roadblock thrown in the way of my appointment could easily derail me. And then I believe after I became a believer, 
I was indoctrinated with, with doctrines where I believed that it was faith-filled and bold to make declarations on God, demands on Him, to stand and cry out, it's all possible with you now, do it! But then we see this mature, perfect surrender in the third prayer that simply acknowledges the desire for the will of God. We're not going to be distracted whether or not it's possible or impossible. And I make no demand upon you. But whatever you desire in this moment, I want that to become what I desire too. And it's in that moment that heavenly assistance appears. What a wonderful perspective. Something that I believe we should look at and examine and, and purge all of the, the old and the past. A perspective that's founded upon doubt. If it's possible for you, the doubt has to go. A perspective that's founded upon demand. All things are possible for you. Now do it. needs to go. But then this perfect mentality of surrender is what needs to be embraced by us as believers. One that understands and values that the will of God is always in our best interest because He's a perfect, loving Father that is improving and growing our lives, not forgetting about us, not turning away as we suffer, but always aware of every single moment of our existence and providing His sovereignty to see to it that we grow and mature. I told you we were going to find you know, how to get in the kingdom, how to see the kingdom, how to operate in the kingdom. And I want to offer this to you as we close. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. I hear in Matthew, Jesus is doing something wonderful, powerful. He's teaching us how to pray. And as He's teaching us how to pray, He says these words. As He's praying, He's speaking directly to the Father. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I want to pause for a moment and remind you of your appointment. Remember back in Luke chapter 22 when Jesus said, I appoint unto you a kingdom. Just as my father appointed to me a kingdom. When Jesus is praying and speaking of the kingdom, He's talking about the same kingdom that you've been appointed in the same way that it was appointed to Him. And He says these words, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've recited it. We've spoken it. I've knelt before football games and said that. And it's become... Poetic or musical. 
But these words have got to become a reality in each one of us. There is a required understanding in order to advance that we need to pursue and embrace. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For me to understand that better, I have to run it backwards. Just like in heaven, let it be on the earth that your will would be done and your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Just like in Jesus' prayer, that, that final prayer in Luke, when he would stop and pursue only the will of God. Void of any doubt, void of any demand, just the simple pursuit of the will of God. Let your will be revealed to me so I can bring your will to pass. Then we see heavenly assistance. And then an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. Whereas we pray in the Lord's Prayer or we recite or we sing, your kingdom come, your will be done, I think it's important for our mentality to come to an understanding that as His will is done, His kingdom has come. I joked earlier about the maps. I never found the kingdom in the maps. But I found it. As I've matured, I've found it. Because the kingdom isn't a place on the earth. I mean, what is the kingdom? Consider the word. What is the kingdom? It's the domain of a king. And in order for Jesus to be my king, I need to be accomplishing His will. As we carry out the will of God, as we hear His counsel, as we receive His instruction, as we search out the Scripture and put those things to practice, living our lives in such a way that the will of God is being accomplished, the kingdom of God has come. His rule and His reign is present. And the kingdom of God has wonderful things that make up its existence. You find them in the book of Romans, chapter 14. Verse 17 tells us that the kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I can't think of any heavenly assistance or any heavenly help that wouldn't be absolute in its perfection that isn't made up by one or a combination of those three things. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. No matter what the trial, no matter what the tribulation, no matter what the stumbling block that has been placed in front of my appointment, to resist and push back against the appointment that God's placed upon my life or your life. I can't think of a single obstacle that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit would not equip you to overcome that obstacle. I believe the key for us as Christians, as believers, 
is to examine our mentality, how we see challenges, how we see the obstacles, how we respond to the pushback against our appointment to be plugged into Jesus and be fruitful. How do we respond to that? Is it met with doubt? Is it met with, Father, if this is possible? Is it met with demand? All things are possible, now do this for me. Or have we become a people who can simply be comforted in knowing that God's will for our lives is in our best interest. Who can kneel and pray a perfect prayer of, Father, your will is all that matters. And have the doors for all heavenly assistance opened up to us. I believe if we can become that people with that mentality and that perspective, there's no obstacle that we can't overcome. There's no pushback that will bring us to setback. There's absolutely no pitfall that will leave us lame and crippled. But our appointment will be fulfilled. And that appointment is you and me living out kingdom lives so filled with the fruit that God's called us to produce that those around us can't help but be drawn in. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.